What's going on, everybody in BW Sports One World? This is Combat Zone, and the Lion is here with a very special guest. We have Bare Knuckle Fighting Championships, Britain Hart 4.0. What is going on, Britain? Hey, how are you? Oh, man, it's so great to be on the show. I'm super pumped. Oh, appreciate it again. Thank you for coming on and spending a little time with us. I know you're in a, in a better climate right now. We won't we won't tell everybody in the world where you're at because we don't want everybody bum rushing you during during fight camp. But the the weather is obviously a lot better there than Indianapolis, like we talked about before the show. Um, you're from Utah, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you moved or you reside right now in Virginia, right? Correct. Okay. Give us all a little backstory because the BW Sports One world may not be fully into the fight scene like I have been since, you know, 2005, but kind of give a little background on who Heart 4.0 is. Right. Well, you know, it, it's crazy. I started off in Utah. I was born in Utah. I was in um, a military family. So we actually moved over to Turkey and lived in Turkey for three years and then Germany for five. Um, and then we moved over to the United States. So since then, you know, I, have always played sports, you know, obviously when I was over in Germany, I played soccer and I was very, very good. Um, so, so growing up and going to high school, you know, that was mainly what I was, a you know, the superstar in, and then, you know, I just kept with sports and, um, some things happened in my life. You know, I ended up getting in, in a terrible relationship and had an abusive relationship um it ended pretty bad so there was like bouncing back from that and then some other legal problems that were going on that just made my life super hard so i found myself going to a boxing gym just naturally from all those years of like just just growing up kind of on the go and then boxing just kind of felt like it filled every void i'd ever had um it was kind of something that i could figuratively fight inside the ring what i was fighting outside the ring with you know numerous of problems like from moving around and being bullied at an early age you know to going through family issues problems and my own personal young adult issues so uh anyways it, it was you know something that i had to you know work at and be at rock bottom and then when i realized fighting and boxing was there for me it, it was something that you know i even kept with strong you know i had to sleep out of my car a few times you know just in order to go to the gym and handle everything mm-hmm. and it was something where i literally started at the bottom you know i'm not like a, a lot of these other boxing backgrounds like you're asking who Britton hart is you know she's not someone who you know my dad was a boxer my family box my brother boxes I didn't have that, you know, I didn't come from money where they could pay for the personal yeah. training or special camps or send me off to tournaments. I mean, those tournaments take a lot of money that people don't realize. So, you know, I grew up from that. I don't, you know, we had to work really hard for what we had, and, you know, and you had to work for your place. Um, 
And so, you know, that's kind of what I took into boxing and started off, you know, um, I did well in the beginning and then I got fed to the sharks super young and or in my career at least. And, um, you know, I fought like Alicia Baumgartner and Kunkurwat that are like world champions that I fought my third and fourth fight ever competitively. And I, you know, I always ended up, you know, even though sometimes it didn't go my way, it ended up me earning, you know, the respect in the heart of other people that, that were like, wow, that was the fight of the night. Like even for being a female too, mm-hmm. like that's another thing that makes me like, you would be surprised almost every single um, card that I've been on afterwards. The, you know, the reaction, whether I won, lost or had a draw is like, you were the most exciting fight of the night. Like that's just the passion and the um, action and just every fight that I've ever been in has been, has delivered like just so much respect that way. And so it's really gotten me to the point where now I'm at my 14th professional fight going into my 15th on Super Bowl weekend down in Tampa on February 5th. So uh, that's going to be my 15th pro fight in, you know, regulated fight that I've had. So it's just, it's exciting to see the journey and how I started and now where I'm at. There you go. I mean, that's what everybody goes through is the adversity. And it sounds like you had a little bit more than, than the normal person of adversity to get where you're at. And I commend you and anybody else in your type of shoes that goes from, you know, the lower end, quote unquote, the lower end to where you're at now, uh, you know, hats off to you and, and keeping your, your vibes positive. I mean, I watch you on Instagram. Um, you know, your, your vibes are just, they're vibrant, you know, they're positive. They get people in the right mindset and that's especially what the youth needs today is to watch athletes like yourself stay positive, focus on motivating that positivity from everything in, in the world and focusing it and pinpointing it into what you love. Absolutely. Yeah. And you see that sometimes in other sports a little bit more than you would um you know, combative sports just because of it's like the nature of the sport. But at mm-hmm. the same time, it's still good to show that, hey, you can be fighting the like biggest, scariest opponent and, and still be in a positive mindset and doing great things and doing good things for other people. That's right. I love it. I love it. I love hearing stories like this, Britt. So awesome. Um, you mentioned, you know, you didn't have the, the, the funds to technically go to gyms and get the training and all that, like, you know, the a lot of the people do growing up and and getting into this sport. So were your training more like the Rocky videos that we've all seen? And and when you, you know, you're out jogging, obviously, you know, you find a little makeshift uh, gym or something in the garage and stuff like that. Kind of fill us in on where you were in your training processes. Absolutely. And I'm actually, it's crazy because I think um, hopefully sooner than later, I think people are really going to see, you know, I'm going to tell you guys right now and you're going to have that audio, but I think in a little bit, you're going to see the visual um, and see kind of actually how I started. So I'm really excited for you guys. So that's like a little hint for you nice. guys to kind of look forward to. Wink, but yeah, wink. No, I definitely did the Rocky. I mean, running mountains, you know, like I, I live in Virginia um, for most of my fighting career and there's mountains everywhere. So hiking and sprinting to the top of mountains, um, definitely I'm a huge outdoors person anyway. So trails and being outside is free. It doesn't cost money. And it was something I always had access to. Um, I had like a swing set and I would disattach the, the swing set. And actually I had a friend who had a box, an old punching bag mm-hmm. and they were like, here you go. We're not using it. So they gave it to me. So I got like a hand-me-down 
um, heavy bag. And I actually found a way to like hang it onto my child's swing set so I could punch it there. Um, in my living room, I even had someone drill a hole from the top of my <laughs> kitchen. Like, no lie, I can, I can get you through. And I used to hold, like have a heavy bag in the middle of my living room, right next to my dining table. When people would walk in my house, they'd be like, Britton, are you freaking serious? Is that really a heavy bag? <laughs> And I'd be like, well, it was the only place to hang it inside because obviously when it was cold or raining or wet, you couldn't go outside. So I actually had it inside for the longest time too. Um, I did weights. I did, um, I would go to parks uh, and kind of double duty being a young mom and everything. And I'd use like the pull-up bars from the monkey, um, you know, the thing that goes across the playground. Mm -hmm. Monkey bars? Uh, Thanks. Yeah. So the monkey bars. Yeah. So I would be like doing pull-ups off those, you know, using the benches as like incline push-ups and doing dips and triceps. But I mean, you get the picture, but, um, so yeah, it was, it was all of that. And then finally, you know, just earning again, earning the respect of people. You know, I had a, a coach down there, um, by Marcus Luck then at Lux Boxing Gym. And he was like, you know, if you ever need help, come in the gym, pop in the gym. It was a far drive. It was like an hour and a half to get there, mm -hmm. but they knew that I was driving so far. So, you know, they, they wouldn't mind, you know, sometimes gave me a break just for how far I had to drive to get there. But I mean, that's not feasible and practical all the time. So I just have to do it at home or beg people. Like I, sometimes I would beg someone to come meet me at the YMCA mm -hmm. and um, they would hold pads for me there. And that was like, I remember when that happened, it was like the best day ever. And they would hold me the whole pads for 45 minutes. And I would just think that I was so special just to have that small, tiny moment. Right. And I, I agree wholeheartedly with you because when I used to train, you know, we didn't have a lot of these gyms like we do nowadays around the area. Um, obviously, I'm never going to be exceed where I was in amateurs, you know, that besides the point. I'm fat and old now, dear, so don't worry about me getting in there. Um, <laughs> um, oh, you lost my train of thought on that. Now I, you, th you blew me away. No. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I did it earlier with the monkey bars, so we're even. There you go. Um, explain to the world. You know, you you got your first love in boxing. You know, you you got that 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 means to to funnel that energy into something good and positive in boxing. Mm -hmm. What made you decide to switch over from putting those big gloves on to going to nothing? So it's crazy because a lot of people naturally ask that question. And it's something that I really, I'm not being cliche or cheesy, but it is something that truly found me. I did not go looking for bare knuckle. Um, <laughs> you know, I really didn't. And they hit me up probably about three or four times. Um, I was training for this big fight in Atlantic City in New Jersey. And I, so I told them, no, thank you, but keep me in mind for other opportunities. Well, uh, then they hit me back up after that. And I was like, dang, they might, you know, they, usually when you tell someone, no, thank you, you never hear back from them. But here they mm -hmm. are calling again. And I was like, you know what? Nah, I, I don't think it's a good idea. You know, Beck Rawlings, I just, I really want to focus on boxing. And then we kept talking. They kept actually hitting me up. And finally, I was like, man, I, I don't want to go on TV and, and get murdered in front of everyone just because for money. I was like, I, mm -hmm. I really am doing this to be the best. And I want to be the best fighter. And 
I feel like in boxing, I have that ability. And uh, the person was like, you know what? I really think that this is for you, like your boxing style. And honestly, it, don't look at it as you fighting a UFC girl or this. Look at it fighting yourself and, and have an opportunity to be a star that you've always really been trying to be. And so I kind of was like, hmm. And I thought about it and I found myself asking, you know, what do you think? Should I bare knuckle? And someone would be like, are you fucking crazy? <laughs> no. <laughs> and, and I got that response. Not everybody was for it. And then some people right. would be like, well, why not? You know, why, what do you have to lose? So I found that I kept asking people. And I was like, the fact that I'm asking so many people and care about their opinions means that I'm looking for someone to justify it and tell me that it's okay. Mm. So I just said to hell with it. I, this is obviously in my heart what I want to do. Um, I had no idea what was going to happen, but I knew that I was going to give my 100%. I was going to wake up at five and run that country road every day. I was going to go to the YMCA. I was going to do cool. I was going to do whatever it took to to do the best while millions are watching. And then I found it was for a belt. That was even, I didn't, when I agreed and said yes, I didn't even know that it was for the belt. So then I um, had that put in my head and I was mm -hmm. just like, I mean, I really had like a, a Hunger Games mentality. Like I'm this girl from District 12 and, and they're from District 2 where they have money and they're ready and prepared for war. And here I am just fighting for a good cause, you know? And uh, I've just kind of looked at it like that and went in and man, it, you know, I gave it my all and I felt like it was one of those feelings. Like I'm in the right place. Like this is for me. It wasn't anything back you know even though I, you know i'd go back in time i'd win i wouldn't lose but i would definitely do it it's nothing that i wouldn't have started or you know i regret doing well let's be honest i mean for somebody who's never stepped foot in a bare knuckle fight as, as far as in the cage or ring or whatever going up against beck rollins for a belt and taking her five rounds to a split decision, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. Correct. That right there should tell the world that not only do you not need the certain things that a lot of people grew up with as far as the money and the training and all that stuff, you have what your last name says. You have heart. And right there is 90% of the battle of even stepping foot in a ring, in a cage, on a jujitsu mat, or whatever. I mean, that right there takes that heart. You're showing your dedication is the second thing by showing up an hour and a half away from where you live. You know, you're, you said you're a young mom at that time. You know, you got you got kids at home. You're driving an hour and a half away. Those people should see that as okay, dedication. She's driving an hour and a half. Let's give her that 100% that she's showing us. And a lot of people, especially, again, I go back to the youth, a lot of people really need to instill that in their student athletes as, as far as show the dedication. Because if you show dedication, your coaches, your peers, and everybody else will follow suit. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a quote that, you know, I think I learned early on and it was like, you know, success is 80% showing up. The 20% is skill and hard work. But 80%, if you just show up and, and you know, you're doing what you're supposed to, you know, you can do it. And that that's so many times, like, it's so easy for people to make excuses to just show up. It's, I have a headache or mm -hmm. I have this problem or I have this or I don't have the money. It's whatever excuse that prevents them from showing up. And, and you're exactly right. So it's, it's something that, you know, you really sometimes – 
as much as it frustrates frustrates us, you can't teach heart. You nope. either have to have it, um, or or discover it or find it on your own. You you really can't teach somebody like you could teach a jab or to deadlift or anything like that. It's something you have to really have deep down. Yep. Now going over, um, you know, twenty twenty. Ob- excuse me. Obviously, it's been a crazy year. How was your training affected? Um, from, you know, the COVID and amongst all the other adversity, you know, being a mom, trying to, you know, do this, do this, do this, just like a normal person, uh, a working person does, you know, kind of fill us in what training changed during 2020 and maybe how it's changed leading up to this fight. Yeah. So it was, it was terrible at first, you know, I'm sure everybody has that feeling. So no one is better than the next, you know, it's all, it was all devastating for everybody going through those changes in the pandemic. But I think for me, I think it really shows you who the true adapters and survivors are because, you know, as bad as it is and was, um, you know, it's something that I just was like, oh, here's another thing we have to push through. Like, how am I going to do this? Mm -hmm. It actually kind of helped me in some weird way looking back on it now because where I was working, I got, I had three jobs. So I was really busy working, working, working with kids and this and that. Well, when COVID hit, I lost all three jobs. Mm. So since I lost all three jobs, I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do for money? So I started f- trying to find jobs that were like, you know, manual labor, um, cutting trees, um, yard work, raking, whatever it was to get some money, but it was keeping me really physically fit. And then I started thinking, you know, people with the gyms closed, I could train people, you know, that really need it and that um, I can get around that way. So I started training people, which pushed me because, you know, I, mm-hmm. I'm always one of those people that does it with you. So for me, I'm working out three times a day sometimes because I'm going to meet people and train and I have to, you know, be I'm always very big on you know you can't just talk like it's easy to talk to someone and say do 20 push-ups but when you're right there doing 20 push-ups with them it makes it a little bit different of a quality of a workout they feel like more friend and like we're in it together type of thing Mm -hmm. so anyways it was helping me that way and then um you know it was rough and there were some you know definitely some things I went through that I wish didn't happen in, in that time period but I got around it and then I ended up um, thinking I was gonna fight BKFC in June against Callie Cutler and that fight was like dead set for me so I was like oh my god how am I gonna do this like oh I don't know if you know this is a big fight I really need it you know I'm doing two and bare knuckles this is my time to get back and I had that mentality in the summertime. So that was already my, my mentality. It was like, there's no way I can take another loss. It's not happening over my dead body type of attitude. So mm-hmm. I dropped everything in Virginia and moved up to um, outside of Philly um, and was training in Philly. And then the fight got canceled because of COVID. And I was like, oh, man. And I told my coach, you know what, we were getting this money and I was going to pay him and you know, so then they didn't get that money. So they were frustrated and I'm not working and I didn't get money. So I'm frustrated. Mm-hmm. So then they were like, well, we might have the fight in July. So I'm like, come on, this just gives us more time to prepare. We got it. So the fight comes in July and something happens with that. And that ends up getting canceled. And then I was like, oh, here we go again. We're redoing the process. And then I found a fight in August and I was like, well, just a little longer. Let's, let's do the New Hampshire one. 
and then BKFC wanted me back, but it was already too late because I had a po- boxing agreement for the New Hampshire one. Mm-hmm. So I ended up doing that, which ended up being a first round knockout. And I was like, oh, this is freaking awesome. I got it. You know, I'm back at it. I found I found like that power inside. And then I realized that I didn't have any money. <laughs> I like <laughs> was back to big fat zero after paying and being gone for so long. So came back to Virginia and um, things started working out with COVID again. So I started uh, working. Thank God. I was super blessed to have an awesome job at the Copper Kettle. And then that's when I told you I was driving an hour and a half to see the boxing gym when I could on my off days. Gotcha. And, uh, we started picking it back up. And that's when we had the November 13th fight against Randine, which also ended up amazing. Mm-hmm. So um, with this fight now, so bringing you up to date for the whole COVID thing, for this fight, I think, honestly, it's been the worst for me. And it's so funny and ironic because this whole year I didn't, you know, I've been overcoming all these obstacles. But right now I'm like, oh, my God, what if I catch COVID? Then everybody who's excited for this fight and it doesn't happen, like, how am I going to react to that? How are people going to react to that? And it's something that, you know, sometimes I'm like, really worried and really concerned with but it's out of my control and I know it's out of everyone's control but that's I think the only thing that's affected my camp other than that everything's great I'm, I'm getting the work that I need to I'm not complaining there um, I have plenty of places to still run and you know I, I'm physically in the best shape I've been in my opinion um, so physically I'm doing great it's just that thought of what if you know mm-hmm. and i think that everybody it's not just me i think everybody's just so fed up with you know when is this going to end and mm-hmm. the va- you know just all the mess with it so it, it does kind of play a mental part in fighting because just like i said if i catch it or something like that what if my fight gets canceled and right. then how am i gonna you know survive that way so it's just a fighter's mentality and again why i want it more makes me a little different than you know someone like Paige van sant who has money who if this fight falls through she probably could care less it doesn't mean anything to her where this fight falls through for me it's huge mm-hmm. uh, totally understand that now let's kind of talk about this big matchup that you have february 5th in tampa area against Paige van sant i watched and covered the December 11th, I think it was, the last fight, when you were sitting cage side with Chris and you were talking about this fight and you were, you know, you were lobbying at that point because I don't think that Paige had an actual opponent yet set. And I think you were lobbying that weekend to really try to pull it in and you got it. So at first, let's hear about the reaction. You know, you get the phone call, the text or however it went saying, we got it. Oh man, I was like, I kind of was like, I knew it, you know, I should have not, I shouldn't have been so stressed out about it because it was like, I had it, I didn't have it, I had it, I didn't have it. And people were like, you you have to have it, it has to be you. And then some people are like, oh, it's definitely not going to be you. So it was just crazy. But when I finally, you know, when it was, I think it was real to me when I got the contract. And when I got the contract, though, I had already been so smart. And it makes me even more eager and excited because I was already training for it. Like, I actually made the choice to just go ahead and train for Paige Van Sant without a contract, without anything guaranteed to train for it, no matter what. And if I didn't get it, hey, whatever. But if I got it, I wouldn't have that as an excuse. So, bam, I was already training for it. So I just smiled and sent the contract in. I'm like, it's on, you know? Signed, sealed, delivered. Yep. It's, it's yours. So 
now let's let's get into it. Paige Van Zant obviously has the name, the face, the recognition from the mixed martial arts world. Making this transition from MMA to bare knuckle fighting, which I do not believe she's ever felt. Well, I mean, in a cage, in a in a legitimate fight, a bare knuckle to the face, to the head, to the ribs. It's a totally different feeling than when you have, you know, 12 to 16 ounce gloves on or even four ounce gloves for that matter. What do you plan on doing to her in this fight? Well, I obviously don't plan on it going out of the third round. So I have that nailed down. So it's not going out of the third round for her. So it's going to be the shortest, um, you know, well, a shorter fight that you're um, not used to seeing from me. So I am excited to put that together. Um, but you're definitely just going to, I mean, she is tough. Um, so she's not going to go down easy. So it's something I think kind of like with my last fight that, you know, I have tools that I need to use over and over and I'm not scared to use them um, and keep pounding you. If I have to keep, you know, pounding you in your, your nose or your head or whatever to swell you up. I mean, that's just what's going to happen. And then the, you know, after I kind of pick it apart, it's going to be easier for the breakdown or just breaking her will where she doesn't want to keep going. So I feel like that's kind of like my strategy and, and, and the best point that I can make in bare knuckle. You know, if you go in just swinging wild right off the gate, I mean, that's where you're going to make mistakes. You got to be like really smart and strategic about it. And I think for her, you know, she might have that game plan. She might want to come in and say, oh, I just want to end it and come and swing in and, and not realize like in MMA, you might be able to get away with that, but mm -hmm. not here. Mm -hmm. I totally understand where you're coming from. Have I, I have never myself been in a bare knuckle fight, a legit one. But I have been in a boxing ring in the cage, and just to see this coming at you compared to a pad on it is, I mean, for one, it's got to be nerve-wracking that first time for anybody jumping into bare knuckle. For two, there's obviously, like you said, if you're swinging wildly with a glove, it can connect still. You're swinging with these, you need to be pretty precise and persistent on where you're putting those uh, those punches at and landing those punches. Um where do you see, or where would you like to see, and I don't want you to think really past Paige because obviously that's your focus and that's where it needs to be. But after, and I'll be optimistic on you, after you defeat Paige Van Zant, where do you see your, your career going from here? Oh, absolutely. I, I, you know, I'm definitely focused on her and have tunnel vision for her, but it's in the mentality that not that I'm just beating Paige Van Zant, but the fact that I'm just moving someone who's blocking my way to being mm -hmm. the champ and getting those belts and have my chance at the belts again. You know, I fought for them both and um, I think that they're both vacant. And so I definitely feel like I, I want that, you know, I've tasted it before a little bit and now I really, really want it. So Paige is in my way and I just got to take her out. So I'm focused on that task. But after that, you know, there's two belts that I definitely think belong with me. I like it. I like it. Now, wouldn't it be crazy? This is just my 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 weirdness coming out now, Britton. Wouldn't it be crazy to all of a sudden throw a belt on the line for this one? Yeah, you know, I keep thinking it because like I told you uh -huh. earlier, um, in the Beck Rollins fight, I had no idea it was going to be for a belt. So I kind of feel like this is like a weird 
deja vu blessing that I get a second chance to not have a split decision against a UFC vet that I can, you know, go and knock out, um, you know, a UFC vet and just show that that's just another name and title and that bare knuckle is better. So BKFC has the better fighters. So that's really what I'm anxious to show. But it's like, I do keep thinking in my back of the head, like, what if they put a belt on him? And why, you know, why not? I kind of, I kind of wish they would secretly. So I'm waiting on it. But you know, they probably would have announced it uh, by Never. now. So who knows? Never know. Uh, you know, personally, I think that Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship is putting a lot of stuff behind, a lot of resources behind the coming of Paige. And I think a lot of people are sliding you, Brett. And I want you to go out there and show them what I've seen, what you know. And I want you to put it out there at, BKF, at BKFC 16, February 5th. Now, before we go, I have a little segment that I like to do with all the fighters that I talk to. It's called Rapid Knockout. I'm going to ask five questions. has absolutely zero to do with the fight world, but I got to <laughs> have your answers. You okay. ready? Ready. Favorite food? Ice cream. Ice cream. Perfect. You and my daughter would get along so much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, favorite music or song? Um, gosh. Uh, so. Or I artist. I know. I was. It, it probably makes me look like a big dweeb, but yeah, the best person that comes to mind is Celine Dion as a classic over, you know, the whole years, like not just a period of in my life. Celine Dion's always been number one since I was a little kid to now. Okay. There you go. We'll take it. Do you, are you going to walk out to Celine Dion song? Hey, I actually considered it, but I've had so many people tell me, don't do it. So. <laughs> I've actually have considered it. <laughs> I thought, well, my question is that those are the same people that told you not to get into bare knuckle fighting too. Uh, yeah, I think a lot, a few of them, a few of them are like that too. But it's funny because the people who told me not to get into it are the the people that are like, yeah, you know, you right. can change their mind on it. But yeah, the, I think everyone tells me not to do it. <laughs> well, maybe they need to change their mind on bringing you Celine Dion uh, entrance song. So I'll be listening that way. Uh, favorite sport. Other than, you know, boxing, fighting. Other than combat sports. Oh, man. To play soccer, to watch football. Okay. Who's your football team? I heard you said you moved to Philly. Did you become no. a Philadelphia Eagles fan? No. No. Ugh. Why are you saying it like that? You're uh, looking man, to the, the biggest like Eagles fan in Indiana. Oh, shit. My bad. No, I hate <laughs> the Eagles. Oh, man. Who's your team? No, the Panthers. Uh, well, okay. I as long as you didn't say the Cowboys, I still like you. Yeah, I have a brother. Okay. You, did you were you sad to see Cam Newton leave? Yeah. Well, yeah, only because I have three of his damn jerseys. So it's like, now <laughs> what am I gonna do? But honestly, it was kind of. I mean, it was his. He was on his way out. So well, it was you, like, still, uh, you still got a hell of a running back down there. Yeah, that's about all we have right now. We'll, we'll get number I nine. I wasn't going to say that. I mean, yeah. I want, you won more more wins than my team did this year. Plus, we don't have a coach now. Uh, mm -hmm. Biggest role model growing up, whether it be on the, the personal side or, like, the, the sports side. Okay, so, honestly, 
a ton, but it's going to, but Tyra Banks, I actually was really inspired her younger because she's so like fierce and a powerful, ambitious woman. And so she was always someone that I really looked up to when I was younger and kind of followed and was like, I don't care. You know, I'm going to do it my way type of personality. So even though it didn't really have much to do with fighting again, fighting outside of life and inside the ring is kind of just as important. So anyway, she, she's probably one of my biggest role models growing up. Gotcha. Last but not least, favorite hobby. Um, hmm, I guess I would say being outdoors, like anything outdoors, hiking, I cl you know, climbing trees, rock climbing, swimming. Do you fish? Yeah, fishing. Okay. I love fishing. So, do do you scale your own fish when you catch them? No. Nope. I, <laughs> no, no, no. I always I'm a catch and release person. We did um catch i caught a huge rainbow trout one time and we took it back to the cabin to like fillet it and eat it and i was like oh man i kind of felt bad it was weird catching it and, <laughs> and knowing that you're gonna take it for dinner yeah and then yeah. i got sick i felt like it made me sick so i was like <laughs> <laughs> well i mean you are more of a person than i am because when i catch a fish i've literally i'm 38 okay brit i'm 38 years old and it took till three years ago for me to actually touch the fish on my own line. I don't know why I've just had that phobia all my life that a fish is going to sting me or something like that. I don't get it. I love the outdoors. <laughs> hey, you got to grab them once you figure out how to grab them with their spines down. But yeah, they're kind of slimy and like, you really got to squeeze them to get that hook out of their mouth. I, I know you can't. And then it's like really stuck in there and you end up jerking its lip out and stuff. Yeah. That just becomes bait for bigger fish. Right. Right. There you go. Britton Hart, 4.0. Who shout out? What shout outs do you have? Sponsors, teammates, f fans, anything. Here's your time to lay it out. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm just thank you to Knuckleheads Boxing MMA out in Ventura, California. I mean, they have just got me mentally in the best place that I can be right now. So I'm super thankful for that. I'm like, I'm just amazed on like even just the roar and energy around me right now that's amazing that I really need going into this fight because I have the heart you know I have the dedication to it so it's kind of just getting that mental support um solid solid so thank you to them um definitely to veteran farms and fusion cbd you know helping with my training camp the way it has been it's been amazing be lit organics hit five um, in the back home, I have Richie L. Tuck and some wood products and Afton Service Center with my restaurant, The Copper Kettle. I mean, I just have a lot of people that are amazing, and I want to thank um, my at-home gym with Marcus Luck and Lux Boxing Gym, you know, for just always being there for me and support me when I need them. Um, and then, of course, my, my two kids, Peyton and um, Paris, they're definitely a lot of my why and reason why I follow my dreams and work as hard because uh, – and to my fans and everyone, everyone who's believing in me and looking at my story, um, this is, you know, kind of like for us type of thing that you can work hard. And I'm definitely putting everything into this so I can walk away shocking the world and what we believe in. And and that in, you know, bare knuckle fighting, you have to earn it and work really hard to get there. You don't just, you know, dance and waltz in to get it. So I'm excited to show that hard work pays off and that's what's going to end, um, end it. And that's what's going to win it. I love it. I love it. Bretton Hart, 4.0, Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship, 16, February 5th 
down in the Tampa, Tampa, Florida area. I think it's on the outskirts. I can't ever remember the name of the city, but Lakeland. There you go. Lakeland, <laughs> Lakeland, Florida. Super Bowl weekend. This is the super fight. What is it? What do they call it? Knuckle Mania, right? Yeah. Knuckle Mania. Britt, again, thank you for coming on and spending some time with us. And hopefully we can get you back on after they raise your hand up on uh, February 5th. Absolutely. And we'll find out what's fucking next then. Let's go. Let's get it. Britt and Hart, folks. Hart 4.0. Check her out again February 5th. Tampa, Florida. Lakeland. Lake Lakeland, Florida. Four. BKFC 16. Britt, thank you. Have a wonderful evening and enjoy that California sun. Absolutely. You too. Thanks so much again. Thank you. Peace, Bye. Combat Zone.